From the WIA News Hub in Sydney and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. Welcome to the National News from the WIA, this week produced by the VK2 broadcast team. Hi, I'm John, VK2JPM. Daylight Savings is here, or there, or somewhere. Hope you noticed. The annual curtain fading season has hit in the southern eastern states and will end on the first Sunday in April 2012. So meanwhile, you have set your clock forward, haven't you? We're Zulu plus 11 hours now. VK2 WI will maintain the local times of 10am and 7.30pm for these services. For those using UTC, there's a one-hour shift. The time change is a good occasion to renew batteries in all those clocks and smoke alarms as you go around setting them correctly. Antenna height regulations and the New South Wales planning review. As radio amateurs, we view our antenna structures as things of beauty. But not everyone shares those sentiments. Everyone agrees large antennas should be subject to the development approval process. But what about antennas lower than, say, 10 metres? Some councils say that no permit is required for a freestanding mast of 6 metres or, if attached to a building, no higher than three metres above the peak roof height. Well, this height is really too low for an effective HF antenna. The difficulty here is that there are no uniform rules between cities, let alone in states or across the nation. So, an antenna that doesn't require development approval in one local government area may be out of the question altogether in another. Some councils simply don't know or put radio amateur antennas in the same category as commercial communications facilities with the same restrictions. Amateur radio towers and antenna heights are regulated through local government environment plans, LEPs. In New South Wales, the Department of Planning is looking to change the way LEPs are made and to make them more flexible. To this end, a planning review team is holding a series of public meetings around New South Wales and is accepting written submissions. There may be an opportunity here to improve the situation for radio amateurs in New South Wales, the most populous state for hams, if as many New South Wales radio amateurs as possible make written submissions to the review. We believe that written submissions would be more effective than attending the public meetings, but time is short. Background information and directions on how to make an effective written submission will be placed on the WIA website at www.wia.org.au. And that important piece of information comes from Phil Waite, VK2ASD. Emergency service crews couldn't find the downed Angel flight that killed three people until hours after the crash because the aircraft's locator transmitter didn't activate. An Australian Transport Safety Bureau investigation found that the crash site was not located until two hours after the crash. The ATSB found witnesses raised the alarm immediately, but the plane's emergency locator transmitter didn't activate, complicating the rescue operation. Do not adjust your set.
In VK4, the Kalula Coast TV reception is on the improve following adjustments to the new digital transmitters at three sites. A digital switchover task force spokesman said following reports of reception difficulties in Kalula Cove, Tin Can Bay and Rainbow Beach, the task force found a number of issues that required further investigation by broadcasters. An engineering team from Regional Broadcasting Australia made adjustments to the three new digital transmitters. Last weekend, an intermittent transmitter fault was identified. Broadcasters expect they'll be able to permanently resolve the fault with assistance from the transmitter manufacturer within a few days. Greetings from the WIA. This is Yon VK4RM, considering the summertime of amateur radio. With the warmer months upon us and those lazy, hazy days of summer so close, many of us will be taking the opportunity to escape to the solitude of the bush for weekends or longer periods to enjoy portable operation in locations away from man-made noise and interference. While there, we may well enjoy the company of family, friends, wildlife, on-air contacts and fire. Did I say fire? Unfortunately, I'm not referring to the well-prepared campfire where people stare into the dancing flames and glowing embers solving the problems of the world, but those uninvited fires that arrive with terrifying rage and devastating effect. Equally, it can be your campfire blazing beyond practical need, spiralling embers downwind to trigger spot fires in your area. Sadly, raging bushfires have caused human tragedy and property loss in most parts of Australia for hundreds of years. Many of us are experienced in assessing operating and campsites for fire and other hazards, but we cannot always assume that those with us understand the requirements nor our mental planning, so it is very much the responsibility of the experienced person, whoever that may be, to ensure fire safety in the field is understood and applied by all present. Just as we have load lists for our radio gear and tools, our camp and feeding needs, so too should we have a load list and plan for fire prevention and management around our site. Here I do not intend, nor do I have time, to cover all aspects of fire prevention and management, but simply to prompt your thoughts and action on what you should attend to in your circumstances before heading out bush and when you get there. Perhaps the first thing for your consideration is the weather forecast for the region you intend to go to, and that comes down to risk assessment. If there is a high fire danger and hot dry winds forecast, is it really worthwhile taking the risk of going? Is there an alternate route out of the site you have chosen, should it be needed to be taken to escape any fire threat? Do other people, family or friends know exactly where you will be and when you are expected to return? Just make sure you go to where you say you will and don't wander off elsewhere. And also return when you say you will if you are unable to notify them otherwise. At your campsite, have you established a fire point with extinguisher, beater, metal rake and sprayer? Seems a lot, but gold when you need them. Have you briefed everyone on where it is and assigned tasks to each of them in the event of a campsite fire or approaching fire? Is your generator and fuel sited downhill from the rest of the camp? Does everyone who needs to know understand how to refuel and conduct generator checks? How do you know they know?
are all vehicles facing the exit route. It may seem trivial, but if a major blaze is about to engulf you, then every split second counts. A wealth of further information is available from government internet sites in all states of Australia. I encourage you to gather the information and develop your fire prevention and management plans for your summertime of amateur radio in the great Australian bush. And now Tim Mills, VK2ZTM with Hams Across Australia. VK1. Last weekend, 24th, 25th September, the Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club conducted yet another foundation course weekend, making a total of four assessment weekends since July this year. They are pleased to report that the four candidates were all successful. So keep an ear out for Clinton, Flemingham, Jason Smith, Mark Sweet, and last but not least, Kerry Saunders. In VK2... Lismore Region Foundation course, they have one on the 29th and 30th of October. So please contact Duncan, VK2DLR, to book a place on the course. You can find him at draymont at bigpond.com. And as Graham always says, you can get all these email addresses on the web edition of VK1WIA News. The Oxley Region 40th Birthday. The Oxley Region Amateur Radio Club, formed on the 2nd of October 1971 so they could develop a two-metre repeater, celebrates its 40th year with a lunch in Port Macquarie today, Sunday the 2nd of October. VK4. Several radio amateurs have expressed the thought that a weekend away to a mutually convenient place would be a good idea for amateurs in North Queensland region. Such an event is, at the moment, not seen as a particular club event, rather as a gathering of like-minded people. If you have any suggestions, ideas, or simply wish to make your interest known, please contact Mal Seal, VK4MSS, and his email is vk4mss at wia.org.au. In VK6, today, Sunday the 2nd, Jeff Johnson, VK4XJJ, arrives at Steep Point, Western Australia, the most westerly point, to complete his walk across the country from east to west. 162 days in the crossing, Jeff is still walking in the same pair of shoes. The National WIA broadcast is relayed from Lake Macquarie by the VK2JJW IRLP Echolink node on 146475 on Sundays at both midday and 9pm. Hello world, this is VK2FA. Home of the good guys. Our good guy this week is Jerry, VK7GK, who's made an extraordinarily generous donation to REAST, including a fantastic tower and rotator. Sincere thanks to Jerry for thinking of the club. News, talk and radio sport here with VK1 WIA. International news with thanks to the RSGB, the Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. Region 1 QRP Centre of Activity could change. The IARU Region 1 High Frequency Committee meeting minutes caused some alarm and confusion over the future of 7030 kilohertz as the Region 1 QRP Centre of Activity. 
This relates to the discussion about moving the frequency and possible further discussion at the Region 1 interim meeting in 2013. It's important to note that these discussion points did not feature in the minutes of the final General Conference plenary. The question as to whether 7030 kHz is the best frequency for the QRP centre of activity was actually raised in the context of discussing a proposal from Germany's Deutsche Amateur Radio Club to change the 40 metre contest preferred segment. The High Frequency Committee decided that this change couldn't be done without first seeking the views of the Region 1 QRP community. Further discussion across IARU Region 1 is expected over the coming months and years. It's important to remember that any change in the Region 1 plan for any spectrum will in some way eventually impact on QRP operations in Regions 2 and Region 3 as well. Did you know? Did you know that a real-life radio amateur was involved in the famous 1961 recording of Tony Hancock's The Radio Ham? His name was Alan Florence. He was just 18 years of age and he was working as a recently appointed sound engineer at Star Sound Studios off Baker Street in London. These days he's also known on the bands as G7CDK and although he wasn't licensed back in 1961, Alan claims the experience did have some influence on him taking the RAE in later years. Last year, RSGB member and BBC presenter Jim Lee, G4AEH, brought Alan, G7CDK, together with the show's iconic writers Galton and Simpson to remember the events of the 1 October 1961 broadcast. We can report that it is uh, not raining in Tokyo right now. The 5 MHz newsletter. A newsletter has been launched to support the growing number of 5 MHz operating permissions globally. The 5 MHz newsletter is edited by Paul Gaskell, G4MWO, one of the original RSGB 5 MHz team. It aims to be both an accurate information source of news about 5 MHz and a platform for exchange of ideas, be they theoretical, operational, constructional or just plain comments about the band. Although originating in the UK, the 5 MHz newsletter invites worldwide interest both in readers and contributors. A woman becomes a radio ham to stay in touch with her husband. Ham radio is the only link Donna Sweeney, VA7DSW, has to her seafaring husband, David Vincent, VA7DGV, as he sails across the Pacific. Canada.com reports that David Vincent left Nanaimo more than a year ago to island hop across the South Pacific. He's living his dream. And Donna, VA7DSW, is keeping track of every detail through her home radio. She searches frequencies each morning for news that he's OK. Sailing the open sea can be dangerous when you're travelling it alone, but amateur radio is a boon. The AWOL has published an interesting new book entitled Small Antennas for Small Spaces. The AWOL says it's a valuable resource for amateurs who live in flats, units or townhouses on small lots. Filled with practical advice, this book guides you to finding the right antenna design to fit whatever space you have available. In the book, you'll find ideas and projects on how to get you on air regardless of where you live. And ask at our WAA bookshop. 
They have copies, so visit wia.org.au. And now special events and the on-air contest column. Dateline 2011. The centenary rolls on. Valid contacts with VK3WI during the Oceania DX phone contest this weekend and the Oceania DXCW contest next weekend both qualify for bonus points towards the Amateur Radio Victoria Centenary Award. Stay tuned in November for the VK100 ARV special call sign, which is also part of the 100th birthday celebration. Roster inquiries to award manager Tony Hambling, VK3VTH. For the award full rules and more information, check out the website amateurradio.com.au. Special event stations, DX and Beacon and Net advice. Do you need a QSL route? Well, here are some great free sites for you and your friends. Visit them when you pick up the web addresses from this week's WIA National News, best read at wia.org.au. K2TQC, Bill Gibbons, reports tracking down a QSO and eventually QSL for JZ0PH from an August 1961 QSO with Netherlands New Guinea, which was deleted from the DXCC list on April the 30th, 1963. The operator, Jorp Hesp, is now Zulu Sierra 6 Charlie. This was country number 383 for K2TQC. Special event station VA3IF from October the 5th to 11th. Once again, special event station at the birthplace of Lieutenant Colonel John McRae House in Guelph, Ontario, will be on air. John McRae was the author of the poem In Flanders Fields. The special event station, in honour of peace and remembrance, will operate from the McRae House Museum from November the 5th to November the 11th with the call sign VA3 India Foxtrot on 10 metres, 15 metres, 20 metres, 40 metres and 80 metres as well as IRLP node 2260. Note that the address of JARL QSL Bureau will change in 12 months on October 1. The new address of the JARL QSL Bureau will be as given in the text edition of this WIA National News. Botswana A2 active is A22 Echo Whiskey from September the 29th to October 18th. You can QSL to VA3QY, the home call. And Qatar A7. A71 Charlie Mike has been active on 20 metres using CW around 0130 Zulu. You can QSL via November India 5 Delta X-ray. Morse celebrations. Members of the Japan A1 Club will activate the following special call sign until December 31st. 8 Juliet 1 Morse. That's Mike, Oscar, Romeo, Sierra, Echo. And then 8 J1 Morse slash 2, 8 J1 Morse slash 3, and so on, according to the district from which they're transmitting. The activity is to celebrate the 220th anniversary of Samuel Morse's birthday. Operations will, of course, be mostly 
CW. But there will be some SSB, and this is probably to explain to novices how to join the CW community. Special awards are also available. You can QSL via the Bureau, and logs will be updated to LOTW as well. Rugby enthusiasts, look out for ZL4 Rugby, operated by ZL4 Papa Whiskey, until the 31st of October. This, of course, is to celebrate the 2011 Rugby World Cup, which is being played in New Zealand. You're listening to WIA National News on most amateur bands throughout New South Wales from VK2WI Sydney and affiliate relay stations. For details of frequencies, visit www.arnsw.org.au. The Q News Workbench, the Nuts and Volts Report. Measure twice, cut once. An ultrasonic beam equals wireless charging. The day when we don't have to plug in our consumer electronics is getting closer, claims a new startup firm named UBeam that has developed a safe way of beaming power to your devices. Rather than using inductive charging, which has a very short effective range and usually requires that the charger and device be in close proximity to each other, UBeam uses an ultrasonic transducer to convert power from your wall socket into inaudible sound energy. On the device side, there's a battery adapter that converts the sound energy back into power to charge your batteries. The ultrasonic frequency used is well above the range that can be heard by humans or dogs. WW's special interest groups, females in radio. The net for ALARA, the Australian Ladies Amateur Radio Association, is held each Monday on 3.57 megahertz, plus or minus a bit, commencing at 1000 UTC. YLs and XYLs on the go. Heather ZS6YE has started a YL group. She sends a monthly mail with interesting news to YLs. A new ham YL's Facebook profile has also been created. All YL's are invited to join the group. There are already several international YL's who are also friends of the group. Contact Heather at ylgroupsa at yahoo.com. WW Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. Yes, folks, the sky is falling. Now that we've all climbed out from under our beds after the UARS satellite has sunk, it might be a good time to think about entering the Arisat 1 Chicken Little contest. They're still looking for calculations, guesses, darts in the calendar submissions for when Arisat 1 makes its final orbit. So far, a fair number of submissions from all over the world have come from adults, but very few from students. If you know a student who might be interested, encourage them to enter. The details are in the web edition of the broadcast, best read when you read this week's text news on wia.org.au. While Arasat 1 isn't going to receive the coverage of UARS, the closest submissions in each category will be recognised. Right now, the deadline is the 15th of October, though since Arasat 1 is floating like a butterfly, that date might get extended. What use is an F-call? This week, I'd like to share with you an experience I had on air a couple of days ago. I was tuned to 7.093 and I called CQDX 
at about 4pm in the afternoon. I'd been listening on all bands for most of the afternoon and finally was beginning to hear some movement on 40 metres. There'd been contests happening on all manner of frequencies near and far, but for some reason or another I wasn't getting through. There were a couple of hams having a chin wag a little further up the dial, but they seemed too engrossed to have a chat with someone else. So I dialed up the VK calling frequency and called for CQDX. The call I got back was, What are you doing calling CQDX on this frequency at this time of the day? At first I was confused. It sounded like I'd trod on someone's toe. So I asked, Sorry, is this frequency in use? I got an unclear answer and then, What were you expecting in the way of DX? To which I replied, Something outside of Perth would be a great start. I didn't really get a response, or I didn't understand the response. Either way, I felt like I'd done something wrong, but was unable to determine what it was that I might have done to receive the ire of the other station. Now, don't get me wrong. The station wasn't abusive, didn't swear or tell me off exactly, but I didn't feel welcome, and soon after I packed up and went home. At the time, there were four other amateurs with me, and I asked them what had happened that might have caused this kind of response. They explained that it might have been a little early to get good propagation on 40 metres, but that I shouldn't worry too much because there were always a few people on air with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Further discussion revealed that at least one amateur who was with me on that day had been the recipient of a similar treatment early in their amateur involvement and had had the effects that had not been forgotten. Since that experience, I've heard a few other mutterings about F-calls and their shortcomings. You'll notice I've not mentioned any call signs during this. It's not because I'm trying to pick on a particular amateur who, in my opinion, could do with a hug, but because my experience with the rest of amateur radio has been so very different. It seems that everywhere I've been, I get welcomed almost as a long-lost friend, even though the ink on my license is barely dry. So in closing, all I really want to say is thank you for welcoming me into this hobby. Thank you for encouraging me. And if you, as an F-call, are ever on the end of this kind of experience, I encourage you to remember that there are some three million or so amateurs around, mostly harmless, as Douglas Adams might have put it. I'm Ono, VK6, Fox Lima Alpha Bravo. Learn about the early radar system of WW2 called Chain Home System. VK2's St George Amateur Radio Society will be meeting on Wednesday night, that's this Wednesday, the 5th of October, in the first Kyle Bay Scout Hall, Donnelly Park, Connells Point, at 7.30. At the meeting, there'll be a video presentation and discussion on radar before the magnetron. The chain system, otherwise known as Ames Type 1, that's the Air Ministry Experimental Station, consisted of radar fixed on top of a radio tower mast, called a station, to provide long-range detection of aircraft. Most stations were also able to measure the angle of elevation of the aircraft's flight formation, which together with the range, gave the height. Radio Scouting and Jota takes on emergency communications. Within this year's Jamboree on the Air, an emergency communications exercise will take place on Saturday the 15th of October in the afternoon. Well, that's the European time zone afternoon. Details of the simulated emergency test are now published and will include the headquarters station Hotel Bravo 9 Sierra of the World Organisation of the Scout Movement and it's going to be operated by hams from five different countries. 
This year's Jota theme offers an excellent opportunity to raise the awareness for the role of amateur radio service in disaster situations. The IARU International Coordinator for Emergencies, Hans Zimmerland, F5VKP, suggests that this information should be widely known. For more information, contact World Jota Organiser Richard Middlecope at R Middlecope, that's R M I D D E L K O O P, at scout.org. And on the social scene, finishing today, the VK4 Central Highlands Amateur Radio Club AGM at Camp Fairbairn. On October the 23rd, the VK3 Hamvention at Ballarat. October 20th, the VK5 Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society Hamfest. If you've got some news that you'd like to get out to the national community of amateur radio enthusiasts, it's easy. Email an item in text to nationalnews at wia.org.au and you can get it into the VK1 WIA broadcast. If you want to submit some audio, read How to Submit Items in the weekly news page on wia.org.au. Remember, the sooner you submit material, the more the likelihood of it being broadcast in the very next edition of WIA National News. Well, WIA News, we've reported, you decide. You can tweet us at VK1WIA. The news has been compiled by VK4BB on behalf of the National WIA. This week has been brought to you by the VK2 broadcast team. I'm John, VK2JPM. Thanks for joining us. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.